The Squeeze is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. In part four of our Squeeze Shortcut series in the lead up to the US election, we arm you with some handy information that'll help as you tune in to see the results. We start with a look at the important numbers, how demographics play a part, what the key battleground states are, and then we cover off when you can expect a result and finally, what's being predicted. Squeeze Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's all been building up to this, Claire. Election Day is now upon us. But before we get into the things to look out for, when the results start coming in late Wednesday Aussie time or late Tuesday in the US, let's quickly recap those all-important numbers. No worries. So in total, there's 538 electoral college votes that the candidates are chasing down to be elected President of the United States. The Republican candidate, Donald Trump, or the Democratic candidate, Joe Biden, need to secure secure at least 270 electoral college votes to win. 270 is the golden number. Our last shortcut, so part three of this series, goes through in detail how the electoral college system works. To recap, each state gets a certain number of electoral college votes based on the size of its population. And when American citizens vote, it's counted within their state. And in most states, Claire, it's a winner-takes-all system. What that means is whoever wins the state in a first-past-the-post count gets all of that state's electoral college votes and the first 270 wins. Last election, when it came to the popular vote, Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton beat Donald Trump when it comes to votes, but she didn't win the election. That's right, and that's one of the few occasions where that's happened in US electoral history. But in the end, Trump won more electoral college votes due to winning smaller states. And the final result was that Clinton ended up with 227 electoral college votes and Trump got 304. But let's not dwell on the past, Claire, as it may not be a good predictor for what will happen in the future, what will happen this election. Let's look at the factors at play for election 2020. It's not compulsory to vote in the US like it is here in Australia. So looking at the demographics of who actually votes and how they vote is often in sharper focus in the US. One thing that was talked about a lot when Trump won in 2016 was the split in voting intentions between educated and uneducated white people. So white people make up about 70% of total registered voters in the US. And according to the data collected from exit polls and from other surveys, 55% of white people with a college degree or higher said they voted for Clinton and 38% said they voted for Trump. They make up about 30% of total voters. Uneducated white people, so those who have a high school diploma or below, who make up about 40% of total voters, supported Trump on a more than two votes to one basis. In fact, Trump won more support from uneducated white voters than any recent Republican presidential nominee. Also of interest last time around was that more white women voted for Trump in 2016 than voted for Hillary Clinton, which many people were surprised about given Hillary Clinton was the first woman to run for president. Yeah, according to the numbers, 47% of white women voted for Trump and 45% voted for Clinton. But looking at women overall, more voted for Clinton than Trump. And for men, they preferred Trump. 
Looking at this year, the research says there's more black and Hispanic voters registered at this election, and those groups have traditionally preferred the Democrats. And in some battleground states like Florida, the proportion of registered white voters has fallen to make up about 60% of the role. That's down from a national average of about 70%. Meanwhile, if you look at other key states like Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania and Michigan, white voters make up more than 80% of those eligible to go to the polls. So it swings and roundabouts. We'll look at what it means to be a key state or a battleground state in a moment. But first, gender, race, age, education level, religion and geographic factors will all play a role in the final result, Claire. And one trend to look out for this year is that more young people are voting. In 2016, a Harvard poll found 47% of people aged under 30 said that they would vote. And this year, it's up to 63%. Mm. That will likely favour Biden. And there's also some polling to suggest that Trump is losing ground with white women while he's gained some ground with black and Hispanic voters. But to be clear, he still trails Biden considerably with non-white voters but he might have picked up some votes and that could help him in some really tight races. Important to note that it's conventional wisdom that no one group can swing the US election alone. So it's going to be a combination of the voting trends of all of those demographics. That's the story of 2020. Let's look now at the key states to watch, the battleground states. The 2020 presidential race, Claire, will be decided by voters in 15 or so states. They're known as swing states, battleground states, key states, whatever you want to call them. As for the other 35 states, pundits have already put them against the candidates they're expected to vote for. And that sees Biden starting with 212 electoral college votes, Claire, and Trump with 125. Just to reiterate, again, they're aiming for 270 electoral college votes to win. When you say it like that, it sounds like it's going to be very difficult for Trump to win with Biden starting so far ahead. But on that basis, there are still 201 Electoral College votes up for grabs and Trump is very competitive in many of those races. To the specific states to watch, Ohio in the Midwest is a good one. It's known as the bellwether state of the US presidential elections. It's backed the winner at every presidential contest bar one since World War II. Ohio backed Donald Trump last election and he got 51% of the vote. This time around, the experts say it's line ball and at the moment Trump has a slight edge. For Biden to win Ohio, he needs a big turnout of black voters in the cities uh, to really have a chance there. It's one to watch very closely. Another one we've already mentioned is Florida. It gets a lot of attention. It's the southernmost state. It's relatively big with 29 electoral college votes up for grabs. Elections have been won and lost in Florida, Claire, and pundits say the same may be true this year. Florida has a really diverse but conservative-leaning electorate and last time it favoured Trump over Clinton. Mm. This time the polls favour Biden, but they've been a bit volatile, those polls. The trick for watching Florida's result is that it's one of the first to publish its results from early voting and that's thought to favour Biden. So maybe wait until a lot of votes are reported before making any assessments about Florida. And Claire, one state that's a little surprising to see on the battleground list is Texas. It's the second largest state by population and by area, and it's voted Republican in every presidential election since 1980. But some are saying it's one to watch because of an increased number of registered Hispanic, Black and Asian American voters. 
White suburban voters have also grown to be more moderate over the last four years, pollsters say. Texas has 38 electoral college votes, and if Trump loses that one, it's over for him. There are many more fascinating races to watch. If you're tuning in, pay attention when you hear about the states of Michigan, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Wisconsin and Nevada, just to name a few. Let's finish up with some housekeeping items about how things will work on Election Day. As far as the numbers, Claire, more than 90 million voters have cast their ballot papers early because of the global pandemic that we're currently in, and there'll be more to come. Record numbers of people have attended voting centres early and have also sent their vote in by mail. In 2016, around 58.3 million pre-election ballots were cast out of a total of 138 million votes. So it's a big increase. Throughout this election campaign, Trump has taken issue with mail-in voting. Trump says that it's susceptible to fraud and in an election that has more mail-in voting, he's wondering out loud if the election result will be true and fair. His critics say he's opposed to it because mail-in voting tends to favour Democrats. So when Trump says he may not accept the result, we've heard him say that quite a bit. It's a placeholder for a bit of legal action that could follow on from the close races that have a high number of ballots cast by mail. And some election watchers say the aftermath of the election could really turn into a lawyer's picnic because of this mail-in voting issue. If there are tight results in those battleground states, it's expected that the Trump campaign will zero in very quickly on the legal issues of how and when those ballot papers are counted. And of course, it's expected that the Democrats will go to court too if there's issues that they feel they have to have answered. And that all adds to the uncertainty as to whether we'll actually have an official result on Election Day. There's a couple of things going on there. And one is that mail-in votes will take more time to count than those cast in person. That's because officials have to open an envelope Mm. and verify a signature before counting the ballot paper. So it's time consuming. Another issue is how individual states treat mail-in votes. Some states will include votes that arrive after Election Day if there's proof that they were cast by the 3rd of November, which means tight races could see quite a delay in the result. And it's important also to note that some states will discard ballot papers that arrive after the 3rd of November. So just on early votes, ballot papers that officials have in their hands by Election Day will be counted on Election Day? Just doesn't really surprise any of us, does it, that some states will and some states won't. (laughs) It just really depends. And it's really an important question, though, because it'll be key to understanding some of the results. But long story short, most pundits say that we'll have a pretty good idea about where things are headed on election night, even if no candidate's able to claim 270 electoral college votes. And the final result should be clear later this week, even if it's not officially declared. And then, of course, if it's close, no one really knows how long it will take to be officially declared. There's a recent precedent, though, Claire, from the 2000 election when the result in Florida was disputed by Democrat Al Gore. It took more than a month of quite dramatic legal wrangling for the election to be officially declared. But the world is pretty different in 2020 and there's a little something called the coronavirus and there's concerns that a lengthy delay will make the management of the coronavirus crisis worse at a time when cases are on the rise and the US is heading into winter. COVID casts its shadow across everything. Let's get to the pointy stuff now, though. What are the so-called experts saying about who's going to win? 
So pollster Nate Silver runs a website called 538.com and it provides an aggregate poll that takes in all the big polls across the country and he says he doesn't know who's going to win. (laughs) But by the model that he has, the polls give Biden a 90% chance of success and Trump a 10% chance of a second term. The polls would have to be significantly more wrong than they were in 2016 for that not to happen, he says. But these aren't usual times and it's really going to be one for the history books. And people would have heard over and over again, Claire, just how divisive this election is for the US. We're seeing examples of this already. Yeah, already troubling signs that there's preparations being made for big protests and potentially violent protests across America. Uh, Already buildings are being boarded up and even the Australian government has reissued its travel advice, warning Australians to reconsider their travel to the US in the coming weeks. It's going to be a big week. To the logistics of tuning in, the polls open at 10pm Australian Eastern Daylight Saving Time on Tuesday the 3rd of November. The last polling booth in Alaska closes at 4pm our time on Wednesday. That's the 4th of November. So everywhere you look on TV, radio, podcast, everywhere on Wednesday will be election coverage. Primetime will be early afternoon on Wednesday when some inkling of a result may start to come through or a strong sense of the drama to unfold fold will be clearer. On to our recommendations. Each episode of Squiz Shortcuts, we give some suggestions on some further reading, watching or listening. What have you got, Claire, for the US election week? If you're like me, you'll be itching to know when and how much of the state results will be in, particularly in those close races. So I've got a link to a roadmap to the states and when and how they'll report their votes. And I've got an online map from the New York Times that converts the key states into electoral college votes. You can move things around and play with it. It's quite interactive to have a look at how the battleground states work and see how each candidate can possibly win the presidency. And there's also a link that we'll include to an article from Courts on Can We Trust the 2020 US Presidential Polls? It's quite a good one for people who are interested in polls and whether they're right or wrong. And that's part four of our Squeeze Shortcuts into the US election. I reckon a look at what goes down this week, Claire, is a shortcut that's in our future. Got a feeling that's probably right. (laughs) Hopefully that might even be out by the end of the week. Yeah, wouldn't that be good? (laughs) Well, as they say, we'll have to wait and see. Until next time. 